to a problem that's both divisive and seemingly intractable. Youth crime has become a vexed issue lately. The latest Bureau of Statistics show youth offending increased in 2021 to 2022 for the first time in more than a decade. In Queensland, that's led a tough-on-crime sort of approach, which has seen the state override human rights law to allow children to be put in adult jails and watch houses. But in Victoria, there's somewhat of a different approach being trialled in Melbourne's western suburbs. A partnership between police, legal aid and youth support services is looking at ways to help young people stay out of the criminal justice system. And it's having some remarkable results. Angus Woodward is the lead criminal law counsel at the Community Legal Centre West Just in the Melbourne suburb of Sunshine. Steve Turner is the sergeant at the Sunshine Police Station. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Thanks Andy. Steve, Steve, I want to start with you. You worked as a frontline police officer for over a decade before you started running this pilot. What were you seeing when it came to how young people uh, are treated in the justice system, where the sort of failures were that encouraged you to try something different? Uh, Yeah, thanks. Um, I I guess one of the things that really stood out was um, just over my time with Victoria Police, you just see the same faces uh, in and out of the uh, police station. And it's just... You know, each one of those interactions, each one of those arrests, it's just another missed opportunity. And, you know, that was one of the things that really drove me to uh, just start looking at what we could do differently. And the irony, Angus, is that you'd probably see the same, the same faces in what has been described as the revolving door of justice. We know recidivism in this country is uh, on the increase. I think 60% of all uh, adult prisoners at least return. So what does it do for young people's lives at this age to be incarcerated or have contact with the criminal justice system? Yeah, look, Andy, it it makes a huge difference. And I guess um, the starting point is the evidence is clear that the later a young person enters the system, the less likely they are not only just to stay in it, but to be in it more frequently and they'll enter it later. Uh, And that's why we're doing things differently with this project, um, because we don't want to see them coming back again and again. and, And we think that it's working. Is the middle ground between both the police and community justice advocates the essential idea of community policing, this idea that, you know, neither side want to see young people return to the justice system? It's almost like this was always something you both had in common. I'm curious about when Sergeant Steve Turner, if a young person comes into your station after potentially having committed a crime, what happens in this program? What's different to the way they'd normally been treated? Yeah, thanks. It was interesting listening to that intro about talking about, you know, Angus and I being, you know, poles apart or almost sound like we were in a boxing ring facing off against each other. Um, But, you know, when we actually started talking, there was a lot more common ground than there was uh, non-common ground. And it was just, at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want better outcomes for the kids and less uh, recidivism, less youth crime overall, and, yeah, just better outcomes for the community. Would you say that that's a view that is... is held more widely in police forces in Australia, not exclusively Victoria Police, than, than we'd imagine? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, you spoke about uh, Queensland and Northern Territory policing getting tough on crime. Well, you know, everyone's got the same opinion. Everyone want, wants the same outcome. It's just, um, yeah, we're, I guess, trying to address it a little bit differently here. So, yeah, so talk me through what happens in this program if a young person has returned to the station uh, what's different about this, this program? Yeah, so for, from the policing point of view, the, the benefit is um, a role such as mine, it, it's step removed. So 
you know, I, I don't have any direct involvement or contact with uh, the arrest phase or um, uh, dealing with the victims or, or, or the public. Um, I'm that step removed, so I can take a holistic view. I'll have a look at the uh, the background information of the child. I'll read through the uh, the narrative of the incident and just try to have a look and see if there's any identified factors that might have been leading to that offending. Um, it, it's very rare that you get a kid in through the police station that doesn't that, that's there just off their own back. There's usually other factors at play, such as you know, mental health, family violence in the home, uh, disengagement and things like that. So it, it's about trying to identify that and what we can actually do at that point of contact is try and stop them coming back again. It sounds like an important separation, this separation between the officer doing the arrest and the officer who decides whether to, to lay charges. What's it done to your charge and caution rates at taking this different uh, intervention and approach? Yeah, I, I, I really do think it's important to have that, uh, I'll keep saying step removed, but having that uh, person that's not directly involved. Uh, if you imagine uh, being the police officer that's had to, you know, speak to the victims of the crime or had to chase down an offender and, uh, and sometimes arrest them and bring them back to the police station, it's very hard for them to then, you know, just switch hats and try and build rapport and try and find out what's happening in their life. So... Yeah, you know, I think it is very important to have that, um, I guess, lack of direct involvement and have that oversight. Um, our, our caution rate for uh, Brimbank, we were running the pilot, uh, went from about 7% at the start of the program to about 70% now. So it's had quite a big improvement to the outcomes for the kids. Angus, police officers are meant to have the discretion to charge people or to caution them as it is. So what is it about this program which actually results in them applying that discretion, the separation, as uh, Sergeant Turner suggested? Yeah, so th this project set up a or, or pushed for a change in the framework for, for cautions and diversions for young people, um, not just kids but young adults. Uh, so the, the framework was changed broadly to, to basically move some, some minor barriers that were there for kids to not get cautions. We've also, as part of the project, and it's called the Youth Crime Prevention and Early Intervention Program, we call it YCPEEP, um, YCPEEP is, has delivered some significant training to members across the, both divisions in Wyndham and Brimbank where the pilot's being run. And that's training about not only how to issue a caution because there's, there's definitely been clear from some surveying of members that there's not always been good understanding of, of how to actually go about issuing a caution and when it's appropriate to do it, um, not only on the spot but later at the station and equally when to, to recommend diversion and, and a clear framework. So we really wanted to make sure that was my particular focus when we start, when I started this with Steve and, and, and I really wanted to make that clearer so we could get some not only consistency for police members so they feel confident in the decisions they're making and that's been improved significantly with the training we've delivered but confidence for us in, in, in advising young kids as their lawyers to say, well, you know, we think this outcome's really in range now because we've got this relationship with with um, the sergeant uh, in Steve's position, uh, with the sergeant youth portfolio position. There's consistency in outcomes, so it's not like one kid gets a caution, the, the, the next kid who, for whatever reason, just happens to, on a different day, a different sergeant with a different set of or approach to it gets a completely different outcome. So it's avoided that and we're seeing much more consistent application of those of those policies, which has been great. It's a quarter past five. Angus Woodward is from the Community Legal Centre West Just. Sergeant Steve Turner is with Victoria Police. We're talking about this pilot program that they're running in Melbourne's West to try and reduce... Uh, youth crime, or at least uh, the contacts that young people are having with the justice system formally. Uh, people on remand, of course, make up the biggest growth in prison populations recently. Steve, I mean, I know this is 
this focus on cautions and diversionary strategies uh, is is more or less meant to remedy the remand rates. Would, would that be fair? Um, oh, look, I, I guess that, that's definitely an outcome. Uh, that wasn't the, the the purpose or the focus. The focus really is to identify the drivers of the crime and stop the kids coming back into uh, police custody. Uh, but one of the outcomes absolutely has been a reduction, uh, a very large reduction in the, uh, the amount of children that have been remanded. Uh, we, we've gone from, it was over 30% remand rate for Brimbank and we're down to about 3 or 4% for the last couple of years. Um, I, I, to, to be honest, I would be actually worried if that percentage was zero because it would show that we're just not reminding anyone. But I think it highlights that we are still reminding the people that need to be reminded. Uh, I think that's really important. That uh, The issue of remand, Angus, is an interesting one. I don't think people fully understand that it's basically when someone is charged but doesn't get bail, they effectively go to jail until their case is heard whenever that may be. So that's got to have a big impact on a young person's life. Yeah, it's massive. Um, and it's a pretty sad state of affairs where any kids on remand, I think we're, we'd all be in agreement on that. Um, and it, the situation was was one previously that's hopefully going to change somewhat with the, the new bail laws that are, that are being amended. But what we'd see is these young kids come into custody, they're released on bail, uh, and sometimes with quite strict conditions, and there might be reasons for that, but there's quite strict conditions. And the next time that they see a lawyer or, or get referral to a support service might be five or six months down the track because that's their first court date and there's often a significant delay. And then they've not been provided any referrals or support in that time. So what we see is then they will, whilst on bail, uh, re-offend because when they've come into a point of crisis, which is generally what the case is when they come into contact with police, they haven't had any support or offered any support. It's, it's you're charged, bailed, uh, see at court. And that's when they speak to us or speak to Legal Aid, who are a key partner of this project, uh, get legal advice um, and get recommended to take up some referrals. But by then, that might be the case that it's a completely different situation where they've further offending and things like cautions and diversions aren't on the cards. And in fact, they're, they're in remand territory because they've offended whilst on bail. And the bail laws up until, until recently, and we're certainly supportive of the change that's incoming, put them into that category quite easily. And that's why we saw kids um, being caught up in that and being remanded. Uh, and that's why where we can caution them, diversion, get in early and provide that support, I think that's why it's translated into such a reduction in the remand rates, which is just terrific. I mean, you think about the cost of, of a kid on remand as well. It's it's just massive. Uh, and that's so it's a cost saver, if nothing else. I can't help but prosecute the devil's advocate case here, which is if I'm a victim of a crime, if a young person, um, say, assaulted me, uh, I would probably expect that person to be charged. Steve, in your experience, what uh, is the kind of feedback you're hearing from victims of crime about uh, this kind of diversionary program? Yeah, no, absolutely appreciate uh, that sentiment. And, um, you know, it's not just the victims of crime. I, I do get a lot of that from uh, fellow police officers as well. Uh, not not everyone is on the same page as me. And, um, you know, we have some quite robust uh, discussion around the police station about what we should do and why. And what I do try and point to people is, you know, what we're actually doing here is um, what's identified as best practice. This is, you know, policy, policy and legislation. This is research that's actually dictated that this is really what's identified as what we should be doing. Uh, and obviously that's what we're trying to 
uh, determine. I mean, what we're doing right now is what everything has said research-wise that we should be doing. So really what's going to be interesting is watching the results and seeing what effect this has over the next few years. Uh, But, yeah, absolutely, in terms of victim impact, it's – you know, one of the most important parts, if not the most important part of what we're doing, other than trying to reduce the ongoing offending. Um, and, and everything is judged on its merit. Everything is looked at holistically. Um, victim impact, expectation of the community, uh, what were the drivers of the crime? Is there any um, is there anything police can do involvement-wise or other services that can actually impact that offending ongoing? So uh, absolutely, it's, it's a huge part of the consideration piece. Because both of you would no doubt be uh, not uh, naive to the political consequences. It only takes one um, assault or crime where a young person is uh, cautioned and not charged that uh, hits the headlines and then the scrutiny and politics <laughs> begins. When you see the approaches, Angus, being taken in other states, for example, Queensland in particular, lots of news coming out of that state uh, today, particularly about young people being remanded to adult watch houses with very, very negative consequences. What impact do you think this sort of tough-on-crime approach will have on young people and crime rates compared to the approach that you've been trialling? Mm. Well, I think it's been shown it doesn't work, is the bottom line. Um, there's been a lot of research into it and um, it just doesn't work. And so putting kids in prison uh, entrenches them in a system that's not designed to rehabilitate them. So when they get out, they're worse off than when they went in. They're higher risk of reoffending, and that doesn't help the community at all. We get more victims um, and further offending. So it just comes back to that, uh, that the evidence suggests that these outcomes for, for young people and, and delaying them going into the system as much as possible and where appropriate is what is most effective in reducing the likelihood that they'll reoffend. And uh, And just to touch on what Steve said about the victim piece, that's really important as well because I think it's one thing we need to improve and that we're trying to do through this pilot as well is work with and, and better feed back to victims this information um, because I'm not sure it's widely understood uh, and that evidence is shared because, and that sometimes those headlines that you're referring to, Andy, dis- distort that fact uh, and that evidence that um, if, if you know, victims understood that that's where we're coming from and that's why, you know, these are the outcomes, they might be more supportive of it and, and, um, and better communication with victims about the kind of referrals we're making for these young kids, that's also not communicated necessarily effectively well. Uh, and that when we're, when we're cautioning these kids and Steve's issuing cautions to, to young kids, they're also getting a referral to our support coordinator, which is a pr- position funded through this program, um, who's a youth worker and will sit down with them and triage their support needs and on refer them to a range of different services, whether it's alcohol, alcohol and drug services, mental health services, they've helped find them jobs. Um, so there's, there's a bit expected of them and they're taking it up really well. Well, uh, and not all, and, and it'd be great to be able to feed that information back to victims so that they feel that there's there's some some work being done there. Well, I wish you both if well. I, uh, add to that; that'd be really great. Um, sorry, just the um, yeah, briefly just that, if you could. Yeah, sorry, just about the Queensland um, take on addressing youth crime. There are some similarities there. So they have actually said uh, diversions would form part of their approach, and you know there are some matters that just can't be addressed that way. So. Parts of that are uh, similar. Um, I would just point out that I've reviewed over a thousand cases over the last two years, and you know there's a few percentage points of those cases that are repeat high risk, high harm offenders, and you know a lot of them, in my view, do need to be locked up. But then you've got five to ten percent of recidivist offenders at a lower level that can can be helped and steered in another way, and then there's still another eighty odd percent that. 
we can have some real impact with. So I just want people to keep that in mind. Well, that's the, the, that's the discretion, the I suppose, you're talking about precisely the power of discretion. Uh, we'll have to leave it there. I wish you both well in this uh, project. Steve Turner is a sergeant with Victoria Police. Angus Woodward, the lead criminal law counsel at the Community Legal Centre West Just in Melbourne. Thanks for your time this afternoon. Thanks, Andy. Thanks very much. Cheers. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.